2: Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com/slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
1: This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.
3: Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. You know, we, we're almost gone the entire season without an intro song. I Guess we're just gonna have to uh, go the rest. It, of I the think way. it
2: sets us apart from, yeah. from the other uh, Rotowire Prospect or the other, yeah, w- other right, podcast, right? To it, yeah. I mean, no I think, BS. Huh? You know, if you want, if you want some intro music, why don't you go listen to another podcast? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's true i wish we could you made this suggestion once you know we're grading out hip-hop groups at the end of every show this week we got eric b and rakim one of my favorite groups uh, but if we could just get one track from the group we're grading uh, to start the show that'd be yeah. that'd be amazing but yeah i mean it'd legal. be awesome I mean, it, yeah. it
2: it, it might have sucked a little for like the terror squad week but uh <laughs> Yeah, it's still, I mean, they've probably got some beats that are are worth, uh, worth. Triz, man.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I keep forcing that on you, and I, well, it's, uh, not a great song. (laughs) Clay's
2: Clay's infatuated with that song.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Get Triz. No, I just have a soft spot in it, uh, in my heart from my childhood for that, but yeah, not, not a lot of hits, uh, for the Terror Squad, but James, we're going to be wrapping up. Uh, the top 10 farm systems from your last Farm Futures piece, also taking a look at potential September call-ups from the the one you just posted uh, yesterday, I believe. So we'll get into that. But before we do that, I want to jump back in your list of top farm systems, back to the Red Sox, only because Dave Dombrowski now uh, taking over as president of baseball operations there. What do you think he does with this
2: system? You know, I I really have no idea, but I definitely think that their top four guys i mean it's a pretty clear top four to me and in moncata devers margot and and guerra that uh that those four guys are now on the table in in trade talks whereas i I doubt moncata was ever on the table under under ben Sherrington, and probably the same goes for devers because we've seen dombrowski trade Uh, big-time prospects before you know he he traded two top 10 prospects in the same deal back when he netted uh, Miguel Cabrera for the Tigers so uh, yeah I mean it's going to be a pretty exciting winner it's it's just going to be interesting because he's going to have to free up you know place if he wants to go acquire a veteran or or maybe he'll trade for a starting pitcher that might make the most sense but if he wants to trade for a veteran position player I mean he's going to have to get rid of one of the other guys currently on the, the roster to free up a position there but uh i thought there was the the red sox systems i'm I'm lower on it than almost everybody just on this ranking basis and i ranked them seventh uh keith law and others i think would would say this is a top three system and i think based solely on talent that that would probably be the case but uh like i said last week i mean these guys are all over a year away, I mean, the the elite guys, at least, in that system. So, mm-hmm. to me, that, that you have to kind of take that into account from a fantasy perspective because, you know, you could have the five best guys in the system and you're not going to get any production from any of them uh, until sometime probably in 2017. And even then, you know, some, some guys take a learning curve, so you might not get any yeah. meaningful production from any of them until about 2018.
3: And a lot can happen, you right. know, in three years. So, yeah, there's definitely... Uh, I mean, some risk involved with these guys, even though there is upside. And uh big thing with Dombrowski, too, is just no attachment to these guys. No. You'd think they'd, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he moved, you know, Devers or Margot. I do agree that Mankata probably off the table, I, I would think. even though, you, again, would think so. you'd you think so. You think so. But so. I mean, but
2: definitely not completely out of I the I think, uh, you know, you're going to see Buxton and Seeger uh, both start the year next year with on the big league roster for those uh, respective teams i would i would imagine and you know with that probably being the case i think you could make a very strong argument that mine is going to enter 2016 as the best uh, position player in the minor leagues
3: i think that's interesting we were kind of talking about what he's going to go for what he should go for in our staff keeper league two auction next year i mean definitely going in the auction not going to be a reserve round pick what do you think is the max uh, that you should pay for Mancada if you're in a D, uh, dynasty keeper league to where you can profit on, on that price long-term?
2: So I think we're both in agreement that he's going to go for double figures. Yeah. Um,
3: I had to pay double figures to get him in staff keeper league one. Got him for 10 bucks
2: sure. at the start of this year. Uh, you kind of threw out like 19 or 20 bucks as kind of what you expected him to go for. And... You know that's that's gonna be too rich for me, just because, like you like you said. I mean, I know there's a ton of inflation, but you're gonna be carrying you know twenty dollar contract for all of this year, all of next year, or all all of 2016, all of 2017, and you might get like a half season combined of of production out of those two years, uh, in terms of big league production. So. That's an awful lot to carry, and then like once you start extending him, it's it becomes, well, you can extend him to thirty bucks, or mm-hmm. you can extend him to thirty five bucks because at that point he has to be, you know, kind of a top twenty fantasy player for that to be a worthwhile contract. I think he could be sure,
3: but it's at that point you're really rolling the dice. I mean, and and assuming I, too much.
2: Right? I don't have a team in that league where I am comfortable just sitting around and you know sitting on my hands for the next 2 years while I wait for Mancada like I want to mm-hmm. compete and win this year or this upcoming year so it just doesn't make sense really for me
3: I do see him potentially coming up late next year but how much is he going to you know, you're not going to profit at, at that kind of price and how well, much like, production will actually yeah, give you I is don't the ever want
2: to say I don't ever want to say that you couldn't you know it's not it's not insane to think that he could do kind of a a Carlos Correa type thing where you know, going into this year, I don't think anybody really thought Correa would be up. And if he, if he was going to be up, it was going to be probably as a September call-up. So you never want to say never, but just, I mean, you can't buy a guy like that with the anticipation that he's going to be useful for you in 2016.
3: I think that's a good point. Now we'll get to the rest of these uh, top 10 farm systems uh, in terms of fantasy, uh, looking at the top 10 guys in, in these systems. Now the Nationals at number five. Uh, Lucas Giolito, of course, at number one. Uh, won't run them all down. Check out the article for yourself; highly recommended. But I really want to touch on Trey Turner for a second because he played shortstop, or I'm sorry, second base the other day uh, down in the minors. And I saw you did a note for the site. You know, at least throwing out the possibility that maybe he could be up to help this club at second base uh, later this year. Do- what uh if you had to put a number on it what what percent chance do you think that happens and is this a uh, product of them kind of being in in desperation mode
2: uh, you know I think it's I didn't include him on the the piece that went up yesterday uh, which is talking about September call-ups just because that news that he was playing second base didn't come out till after that, that piece got posted but I think now you kind of got to consider him as someone who who probably does get the call in September huh. uh, you know that that Anthony Rendon hasn't really done anything since he's come back, but I imagine they view him as uh, more secure in his job than Yunel Escobar. So I would think that Rendon would move to third, uh, and then Turner and Escobar, and I mean it would be kind of a, a, a trio like a, a revolving uh-huh. door sure. with those three guys. But Rendon, I still think would be would be playing uh, five or six days a week, and then Turner, you know. I don't think he's necessarily worth adding unless you just really need steals from the middle infield position Uh on your team because, you know, maybe he hits like 280 or 290. Uh, I wouldn't bank on it. I would expect kind of more like a 250 average right away, Uh, you know, some speed. I mean, he's fast. He's really fast, but the the numbers in the minor leagues in terms of steals this year aren't eye-popping. So, I mean, it's not like he's going to come up and steal 10 bases for you in September. Uh, I would I would think maybe five or six bags if he's playing, uh, you know, four or five days a week.
3: Yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, One that I didn't see coming, but I think that move probably does foreshadow a a September call up. I could definitely see that. And that you know, Rendon has struggled, but I I would probably agree that he is more secure in his role. You know, Escobar has been pretty good this year, Uh, but I think I think they realize that a guy like Rendon. you know, even when the, with the injuries he's had and he's not really running at all this year, uh, still, still the player to to play and you know, give playing time too because the upside is significantly higher with a guy like that. You now, the guy like Ronaldo Lopez, love the stuff. Just twenty one years old, but is this guy one of the have one of the higher ceilings of any arm in the minor leagues?
2: Oh yeah, I, yeah. I mean, no, no doubt. I mean, he's what's the stuff upper 90s fastball i i think that he also has in terms of pitchers that i've got ranked in the top 40 or so right now he has as much potential to end up in the bullpen as, as any of those guys just because you know he could be one of those guys like a like a chapman or kenley jansen that is just absolutely nasty uh as a reliever so unless They, they really think he can make it as, as a good number three, um, which I, I, that would be my projection. I think that that's a very realistic, uh, outcome is that he's a a good number three or a a solid number two. Um, then he, he would actually offer more value in the bullpen. Um, you know, big fastball, uh, upper nineties, you know, 98, 99 as a starter would be in the triple digits as a reliever, uh you know a, a above average curveball and then a changeup that could get to to average or, or a little bit better uh the command has been excellent this year I mean that's that's kind of the thing that kind of points to him making it as a starter for me is that he's not he's not walking a lot of guys like you would said like you'd think a guy that throws as hard as he does would yeah,
3: that's interesting I, I own him in in one keeper league and like to see him remain in the starting role, but he could really be a dominant back end or and, probably and, a top five
2: closer. And I mentioned him. Uh, I mean, might, might as well talk about it now. But in the, the article that went up yesterday, uh, he was one of two guys that I thought would be September call ups for the Nationals that aren't on their forty man roster. Huh. I think him and Lucas Giolito both get called up in September to to pitch out of the bullpen there. And so I think I think you'll get a first hand look at. Lopez as a reliever in 2015 it's interesting just
3: real quick AJ Cole I mean struggled earlier th- this season in a sh- short look are you are you souring on him and do you think he's a guy that also could end up you know you know outside of this rotation ultimately
2: uh I think you have to sour on him but I think people might be souring on him a bit too much you know I think he's been he's been pretty decent of late at triple a uh, a guy who I think, you know, maybe if if Joe Ross needs to to be shut down at some point, um, you know, Cole could end up getting a couple starts in the back back half of September. So uh, maybe maybe his future isn't in this organization, but I, I do think he eventually does make it as you know a number four starter for another team.
3: The Rangers checking in at number four on this list. Uh, lost a lot of really solid pieces in that. Cole Hamill's deal, but still uh, good enough to top, crack your top five here. Nomar Mazzara at number one, ahead of Joey Gallo, then Chichi Gonzalez, uh, Luis Ortiz, Luis Brinson rounding out the top five. Uh, Josh Hamilton landed on the DL today, but they, of course, acquired Will Venable from the Padres, so uh, no immediate call-up for a guy like Gallo or Mazzara. But, uh, and this is kind of integrating the, your latest piece on September call-ups, but are you still expecting gallo and even Mazzara
2: to to be among uh their additions next month uh i think they both come up um you know at the time of this list chi chi was back in the minor leagues uh with him out of the minors i might put this system maybe behind the nationals uh maybe behind the astros but you know Gallo's been really struggling at AAA lately. Uh, you know, he's been hitting for some power, but it's just been a, a strikeout fest of late. So I could actually see Mazzara being the guy. You know, if they want to just, if they're just looking to reward production, Mazzara is the guy that should get the call. If they want Gallo, if if they think Gallo's getting into bad habits because he's like bored at double or at AAA or something like that, then maybe it makes sense to bring him back up, but. Uh, you know Mazar is the one that's been hitting better lately and he got called up to AAA uh, or promoted to AAA uh, this past week so you know I think that would make sense.
3: Wow looking at the numbers 33 strikeouts in 72 August at bats for Gallo does have six homers but uh, you know I think really what they'd like to see is better uh, control of the, of the strike zone and improvement in that department rather than just continuing to see him hit homers. Uh, that's
2: best, not a great sign. Best usage of him really uh, in September might just be as a, a bat off the bench yeah. to, to really do some damage in pinch hit situations.
3: And you're not really souring on Chi-Chi, even though the results really at the major league level this year not outstanding.
2: No, I, I think it's a perfect time to go shopping for Chi-Chi in Dynasty Leagues because next year I still think he's going to be a guy that's, that's useful in 14-team in leagues and, and could end up being useful in all formats. Now
3: Dodgers at number three, Corey Seager, of course, at uh, number one on that list. Julio Urias, Jose De Leon, Grand Holmes, Yadier Alvarez, big uh, international signing this year at the July second uh, date. There, lots to like. Uh, Austin Barnes, Zach Lee, as well. Now with Seager, it's like to the point where I feel like he should have been up long ago, but now they got Chase Utley. You know that leaves Kike Hernandez probably see time in center, maybe some at short. Uh, but do you still think Seager's in an everyday role next month?
2: No, uh, but I, I do think it's it's close to a lock that he is with the team. I mean, he's he's played his last two games at AAA at third base, huh. uh, and you know Justin Turner's been maybe you know their best or their second best hitter in the second half, so he's not going to lose out on a ton of playing time, but. I think you'll see Seager get, you know, maybe one start a week at third base, uh, maybe two starts a week at shortstop or something like that. I mean, Rollins, Jimmy Rollins has actually been hitting fairly well of late. I think he's hitting, like, 270 or 280 over yeah, the past been, month or so. been better um, lately. So I, I think Seager definitely comes up, but it's to be the primary backup at both positions on the left side of the infield.
3: Now, Urias, I mean, what he's doing for an 18-year-old at the double-A level, really, really incredible. 303 ERA in 12 starts, 103 whip, uh, strikeout per nine at 10.3, walks per nine at 2.2. But an 18-year-old, 18 years old, you know, even with the struggles, the Dodgers, I'm sorry, he's 19 now, just turned 19 earlier this month. But the struggles the Dodgers have had at the back end of that rotation, we can still – you know, effectively rule Urias out as an option in September, oh, right?
2: Oh, definitely uh, as a starter. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they brought him in, in a, you know, maybe another arm or two up to, to bolster that bullpen, but he's definitely not going to be making any starts for the Dodgers this season.
3: Is he still behind Lucas Gigalito in your eyes in terms of pitching prospects?
2: Yeah, because I think, uh, you know, I think they, they might have similar upside but I just think, I mean, barring an injury, I would bet a ton of money that Giolito's going to be a top 10 starting pitcher for, you know, four or five years at, at least. I mean, I think he's going to have – he's just a sure thing ace, really. And he's got, you know, two plus-plus pitches. He's got the the perfect, you know, starter's body you look for. The only question really is that that injury history with the Tommy John already on the resume.
3: Now, Jose Peraza is a guy that they acquired, of course, from Atlanta. Wasn't on this list because he was in the majors at the time, but Mm -hmm. since optioned down, where would he check in on this list, do you think?
2: Uh, I'd probably put him – it would be close between him and Grant Holmes for for fourth or fifth. I'd probably put Holmes ahead of him, actually. Holmes has been amazing this year, so I'd I'd have him at fifth on this list. Let's get to my
3: team, the Reds, here. Uh, (laughs) Tough blow earlier this week, though. (laughs) Bobby S. Robert Stevenson down with a forearm strain. Uh last thing you want to hear if you're a Reds fan, but uh you know, nothing to suggest this is tied to the to the elbow, but we'll wait and see. In light of that setback though, are you gonna to – because you have him number one on the organizational ranks here, would you bump two. him? I have him two. Oh, okay. I must be seeing this wrong, but uh is he still is he still a good bet in your opinion, or or is this kind of a situation where it's just uh another red flag with him? Uh, potentially not just not panning out
2: uh you know i was getting pretty confident about him before this it's just one of those medical things with a pitcher where we just aren't really going to know till we see him uh back out there or till we see kind of what how this sort of plays out so I i don't think we'll really have a good idea about stevenson's prospects for next season until we get to spring training uh curry mella big piece
3: big acquisition uh, in the Mike League deal from San Francisco, he's checking in here at, at number five correct uh what do you think his upside is? Is he a kind of a middle of the rotation arm or is he somebody that you you know as a power guy uh possibly destined for the bullpen?
2: I think he's a starter i mean the the only question if you want to say he's not a starter then your your real only uh justification there is that you don't think his body can hold up over a full season just because he he hasn't done you know he hasn't logged heavy innings in the minor leagues yet but just because he hasn't doesn't mean that he that he can't uh i definitely think he's got the size to do it and uh you know to me he's he's one of those pitching prospects you love because if he's a starter then i think he's at worst a number three and if he's a reliever then i think he's a closer so Mm -hmm. it's the the floor is you know a, a really good relief pitcher
3: yeah, really like them getting him and uh yeah, you, know, you look at the, look at it now and of course Leek should help that team, but he's he's hurt now. Yeah. He's got that hamstring issue. That
2: deal just keeps, you know, looking paying worse, paying yeah. dividends. I mean, for San Francisco or for the Reds, for the Reds.
3: You paying dividends yeah. for the Reds looking yeah, right, worse right, for San Red. Francisco for sure. Especially given, you know, all the injuries that they've had, really not looking like a strong bet to uh, close that gap in the NL West. Now, John Lamb getting the start again tonight. Not great in his debut. Gave up five runs over six innings, I believe, against uh, against the Dodgers. But starting tonight against uh, against Arizona, who's kind of middle of the pack, really against lefties in terms of weighted on weighted runs created plus so far this season. Even though they are the NL's top offense, what do what do you think of of Lamb helping owners uh, not only in NL only but in mixed leagues over the rest of the season?
2: Uh, kind of a fringe option. Uh, it would have to be like a 16 teamer, I think for me to get, uh, excited about deploying him. It's, it's a guy who I think is probably maybe a mid rotation or maybe a number four long term, but I just don't really think given the, the run support or lack thereof that he's going to get, uh, not a guy that I would expect to be all that productive the rest of the way. I mean, the, the big thing that you like to see in that first outing is that he was, he was missing bats. Um, yeah, like
3: thirteen percent swinging strike.
2: Right? Yeah, so it's it's encouraging uh, for sure on that front. But uh, you know they have so many arms to really choose from in this system. Like you could look at John Lamb and say I like him more than Finnegan, Garrett, Mella. I, you know maybe you could even say I like him as much as Stevenson. And I wouldn't even I wouldn't call you crazy. You could do the same with Finnegan, <laughs> Garrett. I mean they they just have so many guys that are kind of you know personal preference based on how you're going to order them but i I think that it's it's nice to have that many options where you have five or six guys uh, maybe even seven with with nick treviso who didn't even make the top 10 who who could profile in the middle of a rotation
3: really excited about amir garrett you have him ahead of brandon finnegan do you think finnegan's uh, a long man come come september
2: i think he jumps into the rotation Hmm. um and I, I put that in the, the article that went up yesterday, I think he's on the short list. If you're looking to add a guy from a non-contender who is uh, close to a sure thing to, to get called up in September because he is on the 40-man, uh, the fact that he's been used as a reliever for most of the season means that his innings are well in check, so he can you know make four or five starts if need be down the stretch. I, I definitely think he hops into that rotation in September.
3: Yeah, you know the the results early on with with AAA Louisville as he was getting stretched back out weren't good, but if you look at the other options they have in this rotation, I think uh, he's more than deserving. Now I want to ask you before we move on to number one, real quick about Michael Lorenzen. He was a guy that I liked coming in, really has had major issues throughout the year, but said recently that he made some adjustments. He went down to AAA Louisville, tossed a complete game shutout any reason for for optimism as far as you know for thinking about potentially holding him heading into next year in dynasty and keeper leagues any reason for optimism with him
2: um well i would say there's you know there's a sizable gap at this point between him and a guy like Rysel glacius who coming into the year i would have had those guys pretty close uh they just have so many options that are that are fairly close to the majors that I like a bit more than Lorenzen that it's it's gonna be tough for him. I mean, he's really mm-hmm. gonna have to to impress them in spring training next year, I think, to make that rotation. And he's gonna have to impress them throughout the season if he wants to stay in that rotation. So uh it's gonna be kind of an uphill climb for him, I think.
3: Yeah, I don't think he makes it and he was a guy that I took an SKL two with my second round reserve pick. Uh, but it's the situation where, you know, that's a high pick, uh, but it, it's time to probably just cut your losses at that point. I just don't see him being, even if he does make it, much more than a, a four or five long term and ultimately end up in the bullpen. Colorado Rockies, number one on this list. I mean, top to bottom, especially after that Tulo trade, adding a guy like Hoffman, uh, pretty big piece to, you know, especially cause given their need for, for pitching prospects. But offensively, a ton of talent here. Ryan Altapia, David Dahl, Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rodgers, their uh, top pick in this year's draft. Then Hoffman, Forrest Wall, Trevor Story, Tom Murphy, Kyle Freeland, Tyler Anderson. What what do you think about Story, Uh, just to start? I I think a lot of people, I saw him picked up in a lot of leagues as a speculative ad when Tulo was shipped, but they, they didn't end up unloading Jose Reyes. Do you think he, you know more so as an option for next year Uh, even if he does get the call in September which I think a lot of people expect uh, do you expect him to just not not play enough to make a huge impact
2: yeah I I don't think Story really is going to offer much this year Uh, and I don't necessarily think he's going to offer a ton next year either even though I think he'll be playing quite a bit Uh, just don't I mean he you can't write off a, a hitting prospect with the Rockies just because you could be mediocre and still be useful in fantasy mm. i mean like like for instance like i like kyle, kyle parker down the stretch just because of the team he's on and he's got a little bit of pop and that might just be enough for him to be useful in, in mixers and story's kind of the same the same boat i mean if he just hits like say 250 or 260 then there's going to be enough production alongside that for him to be useful at, at shortstop
3: short right, Tapia number one now i gave you some grief just jokingly last year about straight ball top yeah i saw that in the <laughs> baseball america thing but i mean hard to, you can't argue with this kid's hit tool at this point uh really like what he's bringing to, brings to the table when you think he's i mean he's 20 run right now definitely no locks would be even with this team at the start of next year but do you think when he's up he's a you know borderline top 30 maybe top top 20 outfielder even
2: like i i think his a very realistic ceiling for him is just what charlie blackman's doing right now a mm-hmm. uh, guy that offers a, a ton of speed a uh, guy that hits for some power like he, he you look at him and you could like watch him play for like a, a series or something like that and uh, unless you're watching bp i think you could leave thinking that this guy doesn't have much pop just because the swing is kind of a little unorthodox and he's got uh, kind of a slight frame but he actually does have uh, legit you know 15 20 homer pop i think long term the hit tool though like like you said i mean a guy that could hit 300 or 290 most seasons that gets to play in course field all of a sudden that might be you know 320 or 330 a couple of years and and he's going to be hitting near the top of the lineup
3: yeah i tried to pry him away from an owner recently and it was just wasn't happening it was just <laughs> off the table entirely i <laughs> uh, flipped him to you and scale two a while ago uh I you, I you paid, offered me, I paid a price
2: yeah. on that. I like I kind of gave you an offer that you couldn't exactly. really refuse at that point
3: you, Kemp McCann and Alan Hansen, I think <laughs> yeah, or something. yeah yeah I couldn't turn it down but at the same time I kind of I regret it now <laughs> <laughs> just given how good Tapia looks and the upside there but uh, moving on I want to touch on Brendan Rogers uh, again real quick I think you had him behind Dansby Swanson in your your latest update on the top 200 but uh, is the gap, you know, pretty small like it was in the draft this year?
2: Yeah, they're within a few spots of each other mm-hmm. if if memory serves. And, uh, you know, Rogers hasn't necessarily hit the ground running at, at rookie ball this year, but dude's 19 years old. He actually turned 19 yesterday. Uh, nice. And he's got two home runs, four steals, uh, getting on base with a 320 clip. But, yeah, I mean, you just love the idea that, there's there's nothing blocking him at shortstop. He's going to just kind of take his time through that system, and once he gets there, it's going to be probably a top 10, top 5 fantasy shortstop because of the yeah. park.
3: Yeah, I think at that park, I mean, he's got some some pretty decent pop for a kid his age, too. I think it'll continue to develop good bat speed, at least, and that uh, should, should bode well for power ultimately, and, of course, the environment, the hitting yeah. environment.
2: To me, too. I mean, it, it might be kind of uh, – you know, maybe not as much speed, but it's kind of like a Clint Fraser package that plays shortstop to me. So that's
3: very appealing for sure. Now we talked about it too in talking about the deadline movers recently, but Hoffman's value takes a pretty decent dip here, right, with the move to Colorado.
2: Yeah, it was really kind of hard for me to. I wanted to move him down so far uh, <laughs> from where <laughs> I had him. Like I had him at like twenty five or something before the trade and i just hate uh, rocky's pitchers so much that i like you know i was kind of asking myself well if i owned him would i trade him for this guy and I'm like yeah well yeah i would trade him for that guy too and then like i just kept moving him down so m- maybe an unfair drop on the the rankings after this trade but you know i, I think if you have the opportunity to avoid uh, <laughs> building around rocky's pitchers i think that i would take that opportunity mm-hmm. and Hoffman's got the stuff to be you know a stud um, you know maybe a number two if he was like on a, a normal team or potentially even a number one uh, but with the Rockies I just think that there's now a big kind of added uh, downside that could go with that yeah you made a good point a couple weeks ago just you know
3: how many good you know especially for fantasy Rockies pitchers can you name in the past what 10 years and there's like Ubaldo that one year and that's pretty much it uh, now uh john gray of course recently graduated not on this list what are your what are your expectations for him rest of this season
2: i think he's just going to be really up and down mm. uh he's shown the ability to be excellent and i think he'll he'll flash that from time to time but there's going to be some some pretty rough outings as well
3: now we'll jump to your latest farm futures piece posted yesterday be sure to check it out if you don't have a wire subscription you can get ten days free on us, no strings attached, no credit card required. Just go to rotowire. dot com slash pod. rotowire. dot com slash pod. Now, looking at at this list, we'll, we'll run through these pretty quickly yeah. because you got a lot here.
2: Yeah, we'll just—I mean, just if there's like maybe five or six guys that kind of need to be hit on. Um, I mean, it's a pretty in depth piece. I mean, it's—I yeah. I go through a lot of guys who people are aware of that still probably shouldn't be owned even if they do get the call. Um, you know, guys like Sean Coyle with the Red Sox, guys like, you know, Nick Franklin with the Rays. I mean, at this point, if Nick Franklin gets called up, nobody's picking him up. I mean, you yeah. know, you you've been down that road before. Um, you know, I think the most interesting system is the the twins, just to kind of look at potential call ups. Obviously Buxton leading off today. Uh, I saw I saw Tristan Cockroft from ESPN tweet out, like, now's the time. Like, go grab Buxton for, like, some waiver wire steals. And I was just like, could I be in these leagues? Where are these <laughs> yeah. leagues? Where are Buxton's, Buxton's available? available. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think he you could look at Buxton as a guy that could really just have a hot month and yeah. really help win some leagues. Max Kepler is having a, a monster year. And I think going into next season – He's a guy that's that's probably going to be a top 50 prospect. Uh but he happens to be on the 40 man and you know they could end up rewarding him with with a trip to the big league so that'd be interesting. Alex Meyer has been sneakily making some starts, I believe. Uh if he hasn't been making starts, he's been pitching uh starter's workload of late so he could be an option too since he's on the 40 man.
3: Very interesting. Yeah, Buxton returned uh rushed a little I mean not rushed but returns earlier than expected with Aaron Hicks landing on the DL and you, you have here a notable omission Jose Barrios we we talked about this in recently too and just not looking like he's going to get that chance in the rotation this year.
2: Yeah, I just don't I don't see like if the Twins call him up in September that's like that's a that's bigger bad. slap in the face than not calling him up at all because yeah. it's like well, if you were going to call him up this year, why wasn't he up two months ago yeah. when we I mean, really could needed help. him and we yeah. were still in the race, you know? So, yeah. yeah, I just don't really see it this year.
3: And a guy who's kind of been forgotten, I think, largely, mostly because he hasn't played a lot due to concussion issues this year, Yasmil Pinto, 26 now. Is he anybody that, you know, I mean, the power is there, but doesn't look like he's going to stick behind the plate. And if that is indeed the case, not a ton to like, right?
2: Yeah, he's a guy that, I still am holding out hope for. I I think a a change of scenery would be nice. You know, I'd get him in a different organization because I really don't like the way that they handled him. I think I think being a Twins fan would be kind of up there in terms of like the worst uh, fan experiences in recent years. Just because, you know, you got a guy like Yosmel Pinto not getting called up. You got Barrios not getting called up. You got, you know, some some pretty. Un- uninspiring play at, at several positions on the big league roster while you have uh, some options down low i mean it's it helps have miguel sano but in general it's just not a team i mean that their free agent signings on the pitching front have been just could complete disasters santana's um, <laughs> so trying. i mean well uh ricky nolasco yeah i true. mean yeah. come on like that nobody liked that contract um but, yeah, I mean, going in, going into next year, though, Buxton and Sano, I mean, that's that's still pretty awesome.
3: I love Big Irv, like, crying about Yankee Stadium yesterday. It <laughs> was a joke. Uh, get out of here. But um, some other guys I just want to touch on quickly. Frankie Montas of the White Sox, you see him uh, coming up and maybe even pitching out of the rotation the rest of the way.
2: So I think that it would be kind of cool if they went to a six-man rotation in September. I don't know if that's – an option but you know Frankie Montas and Eric Johnson too both kind of deserve to make some starts in September and you know I don't know if they'll they'll bump I don't think they'd be willing to bump John Danks at this point um, but maybe they maybe they would and you know I think a six-man rotation would be perfect I mean you maybe lessen the, the stress on these rookies and also lessen the stress on on Carlos Rodon so that would make a lot of sense to me.
3: Now the Phillies looks like they'd probably be wise to keep nick williams down preserve that clock until next year but aaron Altair got the call recently he had a pretty big game yesterday uh but is is this something where you should probably you know not buy too much into that that one performance
2: um you know he's got he's he's a guy that took a while to kind of develop uh 24 years old moved slowly through their system but this was definitely a a kind of a bounce back onto the scene type of year for him where he, he showcased some pop, showcased some speed across double A AA and triple A and, and hit for a high average at both stops. So I wouldn't completely write him off. Like I think I think if uh in the comment section here a guy asked about him, I, I said, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he offered uh kind of Michael Taylor esque production the rest of the way. So it's useful. Yeah, I mean in, in deeper leagues and, and, and all only is it's kind of worth a flyer. Like he asked would you want Dominic Brown or, or Aaron Alter? And I, I was just like, well, I don't want Dominic Brown. So <laughs> By default, I guess.
3: But I, I actually, you know, the, the swing looked pretty good. I mean, I haven't admittedly not seen a ton of them, but the numbers this season kind of speak for themselves. And a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed could be a decent option. I want to jump to the Dimebacks here just because you, uh, you mentioned Brandon Drury the other day as an option to, to come up, potentially play every day at second base next month not getting much of anything from chris owings at the, that spot or aaron hill for that matter uh so is he somebody to speculate on maybe pick up while you have a chance in, in only leagues
2: yeah uh well yeah onlys and and even deep mixers i mean maybe you don't gamble and and him right now if, if the league's shallow enough um but if he gets called up i think it's definitely worth it because he's been he's been pretty awesome They've kind of slowly transitioned him to second base uh, because of how well Jake Lamb's been playing. I think they kind of view that as a a much better way to kind of maximize their their talent. And you know, Drury was a top 100 guy as a third baseman. I mean, (laughs) the bat moving to second base, I think that makes him a top 50 guy. So you look at how bad Chris Owings and Aaron Hill have been, it just makes all the sense in the world, especially considering he's on the 40-man already.
3: Uh, quickly to Zach Godley, going to pitch out of the bullpen now that he's back. Need to preserve those innings. Already at, uh, you know, over a hundred and ten. So only only threw fifty five last year. So already more than doubled his his workload. Are you are you buying into him as a as a decent option heading into next year? I mean, he looked really good in those first mm-hmm. three starts.
2: Yeah, he's he's definitely worth paying attention to. I, I kind of wonder how deep the league would have to be for me to to pick him up on draft day but you know kind of a guy that kind of fizzled out in the the cub system and the diamondbacks got him for nothing so it's a it's a heck of a scouting find by them to, just for the fact that he's even made it to the big leagues and, and been useful but i would wouldn't really hold my breath for him to be much more than a back end guy
3: uh, for the padres I mean, they got guys like casey kelly alex dickerson robbie Erland potential ups. reimer liriano too as a corner guy uh, definitely somebody who I think is interesting probably should play regularly, but with Upton, Kemp there, hard to know exactly how much he will. Also, Travis Jankowski just promoted recently with, with Venable traded. Upton, Melvin Upton had that two-homer game, but do you expect Jankowski to take over the, the primary role on the larger end of a platoon there in center?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, you could maybe hope for like five, maybe six deals the rest of the way. Uh, the batting average is just going to be really tough to predict. Like he, he was killing it in the minor leagues. High BABIPs, though. I mean, really favorable hitting environments. Hard to really know where that's going to settle over the final month, but I think you will see him get uh, the bulk of the starts against righties. Again, check out James's latest
3: Farm Futures piece. Really good stuff. Get you set for September call-ups. Uh, going to move on to the final portion of the show, grading out our latest hip-hop group on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. The five tools we have established for uh, hip hop groups lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, and swag. And then we got an overall grade. Eric B. and Rakim today. We did NWA last week in anticipation of straight out of Compton's release. Wu Tang uh, the week before. Yeah, I mean, so some, a lot of some big heavy hitters. hitters yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of top stud prospects <laughs> here. Um, Eric B. and Rakim, I mean, short window. But the, you really can't overstate the the impact, and we'll get to that grade in a little bit. But lyricism, both got eighties. I mean, it, it was all Rakim. Is he one of the greatest lyric lyricists of all time?
2: I mean, I just think he's one of the one of the greatest MCs of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just if you you hold like his best stuff up against anybody else's best stuff, uh, hard to pick anybody over him really i mean it's there's there's a very very short list of guys who i would take over him if we were just talking about guys when they're at their peak uh like you said not a not maybe a long window i mean maybe some of our older listeners were were around for that that entire window there but Uh uh yeah, they they kind of broke up in the early 90s, which was a shame because I actually thought that Don't Sweat the Technique, which was their last album together, was their best album and the one that kind of holds up the best. I know Paid in Full is a definite definite classic, definite definite uh, sort of Hall of Fame type album. Yeah, that's,
3: uh, I was saying before we came on, that's only probably behind Enter the Wu-Tang, uh, among my favorite albums of all time.
2: Supreme Clientele? Ooh, I'm
3: sorry. Number <laughs> three. <laughs> it's right up there, though. I mean, you got... I ain't no joke, one of my favorites. Uh, My Melody, I know you got Soul. Move the Crowd's good and paid in full. You know, there's some tracks on there that, you know, Eric B. on the Cut, Chinese Arithmetic, that are really kind of just instrumental types. But Mm -hmm. the the lyrics on that album, Through the Roof. And Follow the Leader was great too.
2: Yeah. And I I mean, I think, like, you could play a song like, uh, you know, Know the Ledge or Don't Sweat the Technique, and, like, that would hold up like on the radio today uh i mean that they have eric b and rakim have more songs i think that hold up today than nwa did
3: me too eric b never scared is one of my (laughs) favorite tracks love not only the lyrics in that track but the b for president oh classic now flow as much as i love we we both gave rakim 80s for lyricism yeah just to be clear there now for flow i got a 65 you got a 70 as much as I love Rock Kim and the lyrics, I mean this is still obviously a very good grade. But maybe I could I could see the argument for maybe it being a little uh the delivery maybe being a little underwhelming, just nothing too flashy or, or original about the the delivery. I still think the flow is uh plus plus pretty easily.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I just there's certain songs like uh Like keep the beat and paid in full where the flow is just off the charts uh some other it kind of depended to me what the beat was like on the song where Mm -hmm. like how you'd grade out the flow um but he i I gave him a 70 i I just think it i really i love his voice you know yeah um it's not it's just it's you know it's rakim whenever you you hear you just need you just need to hear like one second and it's it's definitely rakim
3: yeah, absolutely. I uh, This was a tough one because it's, you know, the, the flow was uh, really kind of laid the foundation for a lot of people, and I definitely factored that into impact, but I, I just don't know if, you know, the flow was, you know, set him apart. I think it was far more so the lyricism. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I, we're probably splitting hairs here. I mean, we yeah. both gave him, we both have him as a you know, plus flow, plus plus lyricism. So,
3: yeah, I guess it's it's not, uh, not worth going on and on about it. But I do think it is a tough grade. Let us know if you disagree. Uh, longevity, I got a seventy. You got a sixty. You know, I think this was kind of the situation too, like with with Gangstar almost, where the the window wasn't big. But I think you know, as far as how it holds up. Yeah, yeah. It holds up among the best uh, hip-hop groups of all
2: time. Yeah, Gangstar is a really good comp for, you know, kind of a, maybe picking up sort of where Eric B. and Rakim left off yeah. in terms of just sort of the style of rap. Mm. Um, Plus the c- c- a composition right. of the group. Right, right. Like, um, you know, they weren't rapping about the type of stuff that a lot of people were rapping about at the time. I mean, they like, they have a really good, you know, anti-war uh track uh casualties of war off of uh don't sweat the technique i mean that that's that was kind of like cutting edge uh politically for for rappers to be rapping about stuff like that at that time so um you know and i think like a lot of that stuff definitely holds up so not a weren't weren't around for that long uh, which was kind of a shame and then i didn't really like rakim's solo stuff Mm. which you know, it's just a shame to see a group break up like that, and not really know if they'd stayed together, what what might have happened.
3: Yeah, I mean, think about how many classics we'd have if, if they did stay together, and that is a shame too. Because as great as Rakim was, it just wasn't quite the same. Right, and that that is too bad. Now, Impact, again, like with lyricism, both of us got '80s. I think every you know every major artists that came out in the 90s especially like from the east coast had nas, a pretty heavy Jay-Z, influence
2: like yeah. uh, i mean all those guys even it's, like the Wu, probably yeah, yeah gang star yeah i mean i think uh you know i think like nas especially you can just tell like mm-hmm. that a lot of that is just so rakim influenced and um, jay I think, and too. yeah and jay like uh yeah i mean it's it's kind of crazy i mean it, i hope that people are still kind of spinning those those classic records and, and trying to get kind of you know Im- impacted by them today but i mean even if they're not i mean the guys that the guys that the rappers today are listening to those guys were listening to eric b and Rakim.
3: Yep, exactly and i think it'd be wise of the young artists to go back and, and give these a long listen because uh even the you know the metaphors the similes everything that uh that that's so common nowadays and and even like the the intelligence of the rap Mm -hmm. you know it it was smart rap and it made you think i mean you mentioned the the war song a lot a lot of social issues that you know maybe weren't at the forefront of the songs but uh integrated into a lot of these tracks swag uh, another tough grade i got a 70 but uh was at heavy risk just due to eric (laughs) b (laughs) a drop but i'll still just based on rakim swag uh, I mean yeah. those gold chains. Every everything about that look is is plus plus to me. I got a seventy.
2: Yeah, I think if Rockin was by himself here, it would have been a seventy five or an eighty for me. Uh, Eric B. You know, can't can't Hayden what he brought to the group in terms of just the the output of of the music and everything like that. But you know, he was really not a not a guy who you you kind of looked up to him and said like i want to i want to be like that guy. Um, no, he really didn't. I mean, d- kind of a <laughs> swag killer really.
3: I mean, uh, he was always kind of in the background, the, but even then, you
2: know, the type of guy who like, you know, if you're going out to like the the club or the bar or something and you you're looking for like a wingman to go um, you know, scoop something up, you're you're he's the type of friend that you're not telling about this yeah. trip. You're like Hey, what are you doing tonight, man? And you're like, oh man, I think I'm probably gonna stay in, you know. Stay like... <laughs> in tonight, man. <laughs>
3: that's that's too bad, but I think that is the case. Overall seventy. I mean, uh for me that was higher than NWA, uh a little lower than Wu Tang, I mean well higher than Bone Thugs and Terror Squad. Uh same same mark as Gangstar and Outcast for me.
2: Yeah, so they're uh no doubt, top four group that we've uh, gone through so far.
3: Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. If you have a, a group or any topic you want us to cover in future episodes, let us know on Twitter. James is at Real JR Anderson. I'm at Clay W Link, and please rate and review the podcast. Leave us a nice review if you get a chance. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.
1: This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.